0: by fellowship trained pediatric urologist. Just like you're not going to ask the person next door who owns the dog supply store anything about how to run a dojo. I mean, to me that's, so where do you get that? Well, you get it here. It, my daughter was a dancer, you get it in a dance studio where the instructors are all about precision and, and uh, you know getting people to do exactly the right plie or reveille or whatever and working your core. You can get it on a soccer field if you have, a, you know, a, uh, a coach that really loves the kids and wants to understand not where everybody gets a trophy and not where everybody, you know, and there's a place for that. Just mm-hmm. like you have a basic for people who just want to come and play at it. You, you can accommodate them, right. but they're not going to become black belts. Right, right. And just like there's recreational soccer and recreational dance. But if you're serious about it, I, I, and it almost doesn't matter what it is. If there's some place that can give you the structure, you can give it. You can get it at home, of course. You can be homeschooled and get it. That's of course. But if you're gonna, you're not going to get it outside. It's not like the, our culture is naturally giving it to us anymore. So it makes places like this, the soccer, the dance, the wherever you can do it by being a uh, virtuoso at an instrument, whatever it is that you're putting your attention to, with some help some adult help into Mm -hmm. what this really means is where, you know, you can get it. So now I'm seeing medical students and residents coming through who think that they're my peer, right? Because they've been told that, you know, they get a trophy, you know, they're They went to medical school. They're a doctor too. Well, guess what? Maybe as if, you know, they can do things I can't do, but as far as a pediatric urologist goes, they, they got nothing. Right. And so the same doctor, I was, said, okay, I was doing a hernia repair on a baby. I said, yes, do two sides. I said, I'll do the first side and show you how it's done. And then I'll help you do the other side. That's what we do as we teach. And he looked at me and goes, well, that's not how I do it. (laughs) And I I just, I, I was just flummoxed. And I looked at him and I said, I, okay. I said, the answer is you don't have a way of doing it. I said, I have four partners. Between us, we have about 120 years of experience. We, you will rotate with all five of us. You will see how it's done. Then, like I always use the Chinese restaurant thing. You'll take one from column A and one from column B. You'll take a little from me and a little from Dr. Hoover and a little from Dr. Colligan. And you'll put it all together. And then maybe one day you'll know how to do this. Right. But as of right now, you don't have a way to do it. So this was the, so I told this story to my co-resident friends. So Dr. Peters being our chairman, like you are my chairman here. I said to these three guys who are now 25 years out into practice, I said, boys, how many times did you ever tell Dr. Peters no? <laughs> and you know what their answer was? Laughter. Like, it, it, like I don't even understand the question. Right, right. Why would anybody tell him no? Right, right. Right. Like, Okay, I mean, it could possibly come up. But the answer was, there was this initial respect. He had something to teach you now. As you went along, you realized that there were certain things that you could learn that he didn't know. And all of a sudden, okay, so that's, you know. And so when my professors used to then start calling me for advice, because I did pediatric and especially pediatric kidney stone disease, and then at some point I had the biggest practice in the United States doing this, Hello. Oh, wow. So now all of a sudden the head of stones and the international expert from Duke is calling me. And I go, why are you calling me? He goes, well, you know more about this than I do. I went, oh, so then at some point you know, the pupil can become the master. Right, right. And it, it, look, I'll never be a seventh degree black belt. I just won't live long enough, even though I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I mean, I, um, but at some point, there gets to be, and then you get to be, yeah, you know, yeah, sure. you know equals or uh, colleagues or right. whatever. And, and then the relationship changes. And so that, I guess, to make it succinctly, that society is now, um, moving in a different direction and to get to to really be good, to go to West Point or the Naval Academy or the Air Force Academy, you better get that discipline somewhere else.
1: I, I, one of the things that I really, really love in what you said is, I have given you a copy of my book. Yes, sir. Okay. Right. Good, good, good. So, so, you know, I I I refer to the attributes as the black belt superpowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just had that idea one day that the kids would really. Oh, yeah. You know, perfect. Get it. But, but what we're talking about is, you know, superpower one is focus and the next one is respect. Yes. And yes. in your story, there was the there was the gross lack of respect, right? Like, but it makes perfect sense to me because I, I do not see... In fact, that's one of the ones that I don't see really almost anywhere else anymore, right? right? Like, like it, even in the team sports and stuff, like that seems to have deteriorated a lot. And if they so, don't even realize they're being disrespectful. Right? That's the issue. Because it's too casual. Right. It's too casual. And by the way, it exists even in exist even in my industry, like, like, actually, like, you know, the physical part of what we do is crawl out. There's there's schools that all call each other by first name and That and, uh, it's a different culture, right? Like right, at MMA schools. And, but, you know, uh, so a lot of the, what you're, what you just spoke to, right. And to me, it is the, even though it's also the hierarchy, but it's the focus of the respect and the discipline. And then by the way, the confidence that comes from those things and, and the competence that comes along, right. Uh, the gratitude and vision, the things that I call the superpowers, but but, uh, but specifically the ones as pertains to the first three, focus, respect, and discipline, right? Like um, those, not only is it missing in society today, but it has to be instilled by design. It
0: right?
1: has <laughs> to be instilled by design. And that's honestly one of the things that, that's why you were talking, I was like excited over here, chopping at the bit, because <laughs> I feel it's the important part of what we do, right? Like, like I say today, we are a leadership development academy that also happens to teach the most practical self-defense <laughs> in the world. But, you know, God willing, nobody ever gets to use the practical self-defense piece. Right. But, but but on the other hand, like, man, I know that the youth that we grow up here are going to have a chance, you know, if they were your resident, 100%. because they're going to come to you with focus and respect and discipline. I'd hire them immediately. <laughs> well, you know, that's a great point. Like, if you knew already there were black blackboats, you would just know right. that that black book came with those attributes. You wouldn't even have to test it. That awesome. And that
0: is what really one of the things they're looking for, um, people who want to go to medical school now. Um, the, the big difference from when I went till now is they wanted you before to make sure that you've been exposed to medicine. So like you didn't get there and then go, oh, my God, I can't stand the sight of blood. You know, like, oh, I, I thought about this stuff, but I was never there. So you had to have practical experience, which they also want now. Um, they never cared about teamwork before. Now everything is a team, mm. right? Whereas surgeons are very individualistic. Mm. We are responsible now. I have an operating team I work with, but if someone's getting sued, it's me. Right, you, right, know? Right. you know, they're the nurse thanks for helping, and they're very important. I can't do it without. Me. Right, right, right. And my private scrub or a regular scrub, but you know, you are the captain of the ship. You know, and um, the. Notion now is everything is a team and everybody has to collaborate. And uh so they want to see that about for people co- coming in. And the other thing they really want to see is that you dedicated yourself to something. Mm. And they almost don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. You could like have learned Chinese and studied Chinese for 10 years. Right. Perfect. You could do crop maga for 10 years. Perfect. Dance. Um uh, be an explorer. Uh, be a uh, but but show me that you dedicated yourself to one thing, and that you stuck with
1: it. That's great. Yeah. And so something like this obviously fits that bill. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why uh, it's one of the reasons why now we created that Black Belt Leadership Program, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, one of the things I learned over those twenty-one years you were talking about is that when people were deciding to semester semester to semester if they were going to continue. Yeah. We had a way lower rate of people that were succeeding and made, becoming black belts than when we taught them how to set and get their goals, right? Like, sure. you know, it's it's a I've even started um, changing it and using academic language so that to make the, the analogy further, right? Like, mm-hmm. like now we're calling year one of training the freshman year, right? <laughs> and, uh, and then there's a sophomore year, a junior year, and senior year, and then each black belt, and then the learning really begins, right? Like, like <laughs> same thing, right? <laughs>
0: Well, that it's it's actually interesting because um, being a surgeon, kind of, and I don't know if this is the way the belt system actually started or not. So I'll need your help with this. But you know, you go from undergrad to medical school, and then okay, great, and you get out of medical school. Now it's been eight years since high school, and you're like, you look around the hospital, and you go, I don't know anything. Like, oh my God, how are they going to leave an actual human being under my care? Like, it's <laughs> unbelievable. And then, you know, it's trial by fire. You're there for the next 36 hours. And then you realize you did take care of that stab wound and the gunshot wound. And I laugh coming through here is that I take care of the people that a guy <laughs> could potentially make. <laughs> so, um, and then you go through your training. And now for me, I mean, residency is typically three years for internal medicine, four for OBGYN. And then for urology, it's five and six years. It's really wow. the, one of the longest wow. ones. And then you do fellowship after that if you choose to. Um, But then you think when you're a chief resident, you're like, oh, I'm the berries now. I mean, I can do any of this stuff. I've got my black belt. And then you get out there and then you realize, huh, I have a lot to learn. I mean, I thought I knew everything and I thought I was ready. So they did a survey of neurosurgeons. Mm. They said 50% of neurosurgeons don't think they're ready to go out into the real world after seven years of training. Wow. I mean, that's again, cause cut back their hours. You know, the government thought they were working yeah. too long. So they cut it back. So it just goes to show you that, you know, and then around here, like you get that, you get that black belt. No, it's just a provisional black belt. And you got another six months at least. And then boy, these stripes take years to do. And you're like, well, if it's all that, what can there possibly be to learn? Well, obviously, as a surgeon, you know what it is, and it's the precision. And what I'm guessing a lot of it is, and you'll fill me in, is that a, an intern can take an hour to fix a hernia on someone. And they're doing it right by the book. It looks pretty An attending physician like me, by the time I was done, could probably do it in about 12 minutes Mm. with better results, quicker, better for the patient, whatever. Now we did the same operation, right? But over the course of years, when you get the confidence Mm -hmm. and you know what's coming and you just know, and, and, and you stop doing any extraneous movement. And if I look around the dojo and I see all the different, I have the, luxury of having Xi'an Adam in my classes because right. his son is, right, Aiden is right, in the right, class right, right. so you know he, I was holding a pad for him one day and he almost broke my nose because it never <laughs> occurred to me a human could be fit so hard and then I was thinking oh my god this guy's in my cl-. he wasn't wearing a belt so I said to you, and then later they introduced him as Xi'an Adam I was like oh thank god because if I thought that this guy walking off the street could do this um, but, you know, what you see is the precision, the quickness. There's no wasted motion. And that's the thing you notice. And that's the thing a good surgeon notices first mm. when watching other surgeons. Mm. There's not one wasted motion. He or she looks down and they just, they never look up. Their hands just, there's, yeah. there's, it. And, and that's what makes it go so quickly. Um, I love it. And that's what I watch when I see the higher belts doing. Because I said, you know, they keep doing the same thing over and over again. Like, don't they teach them anything new? Then you realize watching you or one of the black belts do kickboxing set three and watching me do it, it's as if it's a different language. You know, the, the moves are the same, but they look nothing alike. The crispness, the, you know, the the intensity,
1: all of those things is just so much different. So I, I get where I'm going, hopefully. Yes. Sir. yes sir. Well, I, I love the analogy. I mean, it's so much the same. And, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, you know, wh- while there is, while there are four years of progressive education, you know, that comes a year at a time. So, so there, so by like by the third belt of the first phase, you're filling the repetition of that phase by the third belt of the second phase, you're filling the repetition of that phase, right? So, but over the four years, there is also a lot of stacked on to material. Mm-hmm. But having said that, you're, you nailed it. I mean, it's like, because in fact, in the third year, the student already gets that that provisional black belt. You're talking about that probationary black belt. Uh, and, and then that next year is where they really start to reassemble what they've learned over the first three years to prepare for, for their certified black belt, you know, which again, I... But, but what I loved in what you said then, is, is the thing that it's not necessarily the new stuff that makes you better at some point. It's getting efficient and effective, and, you know, better with the stuff that you already have. And that is the hardest thing for a young student to understand, right? Like, because mm-hmm. you're right. Like, there are certain things that you'll do through your whole career. Like, I have those first four combos, KMN okay, combo one through four. And they're there forever, right? <laughs> but that, but like you said, I mean, uh, like first of all, K in combo one can already save your life, mm-hmm. and especially executed well, you know. And uh, the, I guess what I'm trying to fish is the hard part, and, and maybe it's the same in, in your film. I don't know, or maybe it's different because they already come in with discipline. Well, mm-hmm. Joe didn't, but, <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> but, <sir. laughs> but but what I'm saying is. That's the hard part to communicate. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, when you're dealing with a young kid and they're doing that same movement again. And But, you know, look, I like we do very little in the physical part. It, do I do? Do I allow very little in our system that isn't actually applicable to real self-defense? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I had 22 years of experience with three other black belts that were in, a lot of it was sometimes useful in other ways, but not for real self-defense. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't really do any of that anymore. There isn't anything that's just striking there or, you know, uh, that, that isn't meant to prepare a student to defend themselves over life one day. But as a result, mm-hmm. we have to find a way to make people understand. And who, who knows, maybe this podcast, them hearing, hearing you say it will help, right? Because it's making people understand that, look, that repetition is critical right, to the process. Well, if anybody uh, associated
0: would like any help in... What classes to take, or you know, either in high school or in college to try to get into college or to medical school. Um, it's just kind of it's like a paying it forward thing. I uh, when I was a junior in college, I did an independent study with a um, English professor, and uh, her name was Fran Zorn, and uh, I wrote a book on how to get into medical school, but it was just for University of Michigan students because you know, I knew the numbers of the class, like, you know, Uh, biology 201. I mean, I knew everybody would know what that meant, but the classes in the other university would have different numbers. So I, um, I wrote, that was my senior or a two-year project as I wrote that as one of my classes. And so the idea is, is that to me, getting into medical school had rules and there's rules of the game. And people often thought they were, they were above the rules. Mm. They were going to do it their way. Yeah. And so often they didn't get in. And they're like, I'm smarter than Joe. Or why did he or she get in? And, and I didn't. I said, well, you can play the game right. Yeah. Yeah. They played the game perfectly. Yeah. And so, and it's, it's a little bit nuanced because like I, one of my jokes in the book is, unless you're a math major, and we have to take like a, a year of math, to qualify for medical school. If you walk into a calculus class and you see an engineer, I said, turn around and walk out, you're in the wrong class. You have no chance of doing well. I said, engineers do calculus for breakfast. This is what they <laughs> love to do. You're looking at us, oh my God, this is horrible. class. Go take general math. And they're like, well, wait a minute, I took general math in high school and I'm not gonna learn anything. Great, get an A. So your job is to get A's to make yourself the cut. Because if you don't, you get a, they all think, well, I'll get a B in advanced calculus. That'll be better than an A in general math. Wrong. Mm. Absolutely not. Because the medical schools, they don't know. Right. All they see is math B. And they don't care. That dropped your grade point average. Mm. I make all the parents crazy because all, they all want to have like six AP classes yeah. in high school. And I graduated, I'm a sophomore in college and I'm 18 years old. Well, guess what? absolute worst thing to do if you want to go to medical school. Mm. Said, take all those classes, but don't take the exams. Because if you take the exam, all you get is a pass. You get the credit and a pass, but you don't have a grade. Mm. Now it makes it harder for you. Now you have to take advanced classes against people who are, I said, unless that's your thing. If you are a biologist, do it. If you're a chemist, do it. If you're a calculus genius, by all means do it. But if you're not, and you're just a man or a woman who wants to get into medical school, Take the classes, don't take the tests. Hmm. Well, try to convince the parents. Those are the kids who don't get into medical school. Wow. Even though you think they were the ones who are most likely to do it. Yeah. So, but wow. those are the little, because that's not how the game is played. Yeah. If you want to actually get the absolute most knowledge, mm-hmm. they're right. But if you want to get into, but you're great. And then, you know, you don't get in the door. Yeah. So what good is it for you?
1: If that's what, if
0: that's what you want, yeah. right.
1: Yeah. So, huh, very interesting. Yeah. So I, and I think what you're saying is you, you, you're available to help the tribe if anybody wants to. Absolutely. A pleasure and honor and privilege. And it's no charge. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, doctor. We appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I believe that's another one of the great things about it. I think the, the most important is the, the installation of the focus and the respect and the discipline and all mm-hmm. those missing superpowers. But another really, really cool thing about this place is the tribe and the community that we have and people like you that, uh, that contribute to it. Thank you. So in closing, is there any just general words of wisdom or advice you'd have for, for uh, the student body or anybody listening, um, any life wisdom or anything about this place you want to close with? Uh,
0: I just uh, feel at home here that um, everybody's got the same goal. Uh, you see people at all different stages, whether they be four five or six years old, one of the cutest things is, is seeing people six years old with different colored belts higher than mine. And, you know, I was like, okay, well they have something that I need, even if they're that young. Now they can't kick as hard or whatever, but they're gonna get there. Mm -hmm. I had seen uh, the young people, I'd say between 12 and 15 are watching them help in classes help old guys like me with, you know, white and yellow belts and be proud of it and happy and not like, oh, I got to help this guy. Ah, oh, I think I'm supposed to do this. You can see it in their, in their soul that it comes out that that's what they want to be doing because they're showing their um, competence. Not only, I don't know if they even know anybody's, they just enjoy showing it whether it's to themselves or they don't even know anybody's watching. I don't think. I mean, some of them are doing their training and they're, um, you know, they're part of it. But sometimes they're just in the classes helping yes, out. Yes, so it's that everybody. I have not seen one bit of competition where one person is trying to outdo the other from a negative point of view. Like mm-hmm. when we're on all fours and trying to kick our hands right. out. That that's of course you're competitive because you right. want to be good. But on the other hand, it, it, but there's none of this, um, I'm trying to get ahead of you to show everybody I'm better than you. I haven't seen one bit of that comp- what I would call negative competition here at all. It's everybody's trying to go for the same goal and, you know, but it's a, uh, everybody's pointed in
1: the same direction. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, doctor. What a pleasure. Thank you. I'm going to, uh, audience, I told you it was going to be a great one today. So we made up for for missing a few. And uh, uh, we hope that you will see Dr. Reisman uh, in class here one day or at crowd camp or graduation or or something. Uh, Thanks very much for joining us. And again, doctor, thank you for sharing your wisdom and your time. Thank you.